Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pull Request right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. My name is Eric Newman, and we don't have theme music today. Uh, another rough start. My friend uh, and technophile compatriot Christian Grabowski can't be here right now because he is deposed upstate with the uh, classic deposed, sorry, delayed. What, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Upstate uh, due to a very classic excuse of a death in the family. And so we all... Um, Say the cottage for him today as he does that. And hopefully he's listening and can hear my good tidings. But in lieu of that, I have one of my great friends here in Brooklyn, uh, Tyler Dinner, who uh, works as a web developer in, in, uh, in Manhattan, actually, and uh, works at a cool startup that does 360 video and other VR. And uh, he's right here with me. Hello, Tyler. How are you doing? Good. Happy to be here. I really can't hear you. Say, oh. Sorry about that. Say that again. Good. Happy to be here, Eric. I really... Closer to the mic, please. I should it. also mention... Uh, sorry, go on. I said you got it. Closer to the microphone. How's the levels? Not good. So say like a loss. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, man. It's, sorry, guys. We got in... Uh, had a little late transition into the studio. Well, what happens is... Um, I should mention this. I've, we've been on the air for three weeks, and this is our third episode. You'd think third time's the charm. Hopefully. Hopefully. But... I think what, what happens is, bef before we get on the air, there's literally one minute between when the last show has to exit, and we have to recycle and set the levels and everything else, and then they change the layout of the station. <laughs> so when you, when, you, when, when, I, when you get in here and you, have, you finally figure out your routine of plugging stuff in and turning stuff on and hitting buttons in a certain way... Uh, then everything's kind of, this thing doesn't do the thing it did last week. And we don't have theme music right now, so I woefully apologize. Um, Tyler, why don't you give the people of Brooklyn a quick introduction on who you are and what you do? Cool. Um, I'm Tyler, Tyler Dinner, as Eric has said. I'm a web developer uh, and software engineer over at Little Star. Uh, we're a virtual reality uh, 360 video platform. Uh, we host a lot of original content, a lot of... Uh, great brand partnerships and whatnot. And uh, we have apps pretty much everywhere, iPhone. Uh, uh, we, we recently launched the PlayStation VR app, and that's been uh, doing really well. Um, just a lot of great partnerships, a lot of cool people, and the field's just ever-expanding. So it's awesome to be uh, sitting around and just watching VR unfold in front of my eyes every day. That's, that's quite... Uh, reflections, where did that come from? That's quite fantastic, Tyler. Um, is something, did something change? I feel like there's more reverb now in the... Uh, New yeah. studio setup. <laughs> one day, one day we'll get it right. Um, anyway, uh, so you work at really? Is that is that is that better? Maybe. That better? Maybe. I'm really sorry. Um, so you work at a startup in the city called Little Star, and they do and they do VR like you said. And uh, what do you? What is your day to day like? Because 360 video and VR is the bleeding edge of technology, and it's far and away more advanced stuff than I typically deal with on a daily basis. So why, what, how, how, do you, how do you live at work? <laughs> um, a lot of my role involves, uh, I, I kind of wear two main hats, and one is as a developer, uh, keeping up the Ruby on Rails web stack that we have going on. Uh, Ruby on Rails? Yeah. That's very 2010. It's very 2010. It's very 2010. As a quick tangent, by the way, I own quicktangent.com, and I always say this every episode when I go on quick tangents, uh, and in real life, too, um, that I, I, uh, I used to get into a lot of arguments with Rails outlets 
back in the day. There were two, like, in the last... Really? This, there's, like, a lot of reflections coming from this stuff. In, in the last uh, few... I'd say, I'd say right around 20, 2009 to 2012, there was uh, a lot, two main arguments that I got into with web design. One of them was about Rails, and everybody said, oh, you should use Rails because, oh, you still use PHP. How quaint. PHP isn't a real programming language. Oh, oh I'm sorry. And then uh, the other one was uh, conditional comments in Internet Explorer. There's a thing in... Oh, boy. With, I know. Uh, with IE. Which don't exist anymore. No, that was, you, that's what I was exactly <laughs> about to mention. Uh, that the, the, there's a special way of, of coding comments in Internet Explorer. Um, not anymore, like Tyler said. But uh, there used to be, where you could target specific browsers, and then uh, you could say, like, if this IE is less than version 7, then load this style sheet or execute this part of code. And it's, it's really, um, it, it, I never use those. And maybe only in extreme circumstances, because typically when you make a style sheet, or so I should speak from a personal example rather than instructing the rest of people, but you stupid marks. No, no. You have when some I, good CSS practice. Thank you. No, when, when you. When you typically, or when I typically make a style sheet, you, had, you do it in the browser that you like using the most. And uh, at the time, uh, I've, I, I grew up, well, I shouldn't say I grew up, I grew up with IE6, but uh, I, switched to, I, I, know, I switched to Firefox about 13 years ago. Wow, I'm old. I'm only 29, <laughs> but it's, you know, that's a long time. And in 2000, 2002 or 2003, I switched, I, I switched to Firefox because they had this thing called uh, tabbed browsing. And that was new. And it was like, oh, you don't have to Ooh, have whoa. 10 windows open at the same time. No. Um, they but the they also rendered better. For me, what was really interesting is because, because you're so used to the browser that you, you work on or you, you render stuff for, um, or you, you, you kind of learn the quirks of whatever environment that you're in. And that goes beyond web design. That's also generally in, in software engineering. And um, when you... When you learn all the quirks of the browser, then you go open it up in another browser, which could be Firefox now, or Chrome, or Opera still exists, or an older version of Internet Explorer, or a newer version of Internet Explorer. There are differences. There are differences, and it's very depressing, because you think you know what you're doing, and you think that you've done a good job, but then when you want to go to show somebody, and they have a different computer, oh, oh here's a Macintosh, they have Safari. Well, Safari, had, <laughs> Safari hasn't been updated in, in two years. Who knows? Uh, it's... It's really, it's like I said, it's really depressing. And then you, the, uh, your job is to make the website look exactly the same across all the different environments. And in order to do that, it takes a lot of massaging and hopefully, hopefully not uh, reflowing and completely redoing of styles. Just a kind of massaging. So to go back to the conditional comments, the conditional comments typically load another style sheet. And... The massaging that I would do if I made a web page for Chrome or for Firefox is just a couple of rules here and there, just a rule, an extra rule here, uh, say, oh, this has double the padding, it should have an IE, and oh, here's an extra rule here because in, in Chrome it looks a little different, and you just kind of keep doing that uh, in a, in a one-off by one-off basis, and that's uh, how you can kind of do quality assurance, as it's called, on your own. Um, Conditional comments, like I said, they typically are used to load an, an entire other style sheet, and I feel like the overhead in that, in both just the it's an additional request, A, and then B, just managing that and managing the organization of that is really, uh, it's really a pain, so I never did it. And, I, and that was, like I said, to go, to go all the way back, one of the two main arguments that I used to get into with web designers. Um, and they would, oh man, I mean, 
if you think uh, if you think Hillary supporters name call, oh, I'm not supposed to talk about politics. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you th <laughs> if you think people can be arrogant about their opinions and beliefs, you should also talk to web designers because they can be exactly the same way, just with uh, browsers and technologies and stacks and other things. And so it's like a religion. It's like oh, you know, you're 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 Jewish and I'm a Baptist, and we just have these kind of philosophical arguments that will never agree with each other because we're just different religions, but there's sometimes a common ground, and that common ground is usually a Unix server, so we can both agree on that. Well, fortunately, sometimes, uh, shortly after all the internet browsers got crazy and did not agree with each other, uh, God invented jQuery, and that <laughs> saved some headaches if you were able to use oh, a hack man. with that. But he sometimes, if jQuery is taking a second to load the library itself, then it's pretty tough, but it was really nice because it unified every response across every browser. If you got an error in Internet Explorer, you would get the exact same error in Safari or Firefox, and that made things really nice if you were able to fix whatever cross-browser troubles you were having with the JavaScript itself. Yes, and uh, jQuery is about 10 years old now. How crazy wow. is that? I think it might actually be from 2004 and not 2006. It's, uh, I don't know. It's definitely a sign of the times, and... I think you, of all people, as someone who's learned web development, uh, can I say this decade? Yeah. It's, you've had a, a, a mountain to climb for, for technologies and, and, and philosophies and practices and, and stacks and stuff because, you know, like I said, I grew up on IE6. That's around the turn of the century. I started making websites in Angel Fire for my middle school classes in, in the late 90s. And it's, that, that's still with me. There's a part of there's a, there's a part of that that's still with me and it's still kind of baked into how I think about developing web pages and how I think about structuring stuff and uh, it's very old uh, even though I don't have a gray hair yet it's just not going it's very old and um, so trying to help people and trying to uh, you know teach people and, and about web design and try to also stay in tune with, with what's going on uh, saying like oh you should do this. But then I'm realizing that this thing that I'm telling you about is, is 10 years old or 12 years old. And then there's like five things that have replaced it since that I either haven't heard about or chose to ignore or for a variety of other reasons just didn't mention. And uh, it's, I don't know. I, what, is it, what is it like? What is it like for you to, and I don't mean that, that in, in an arrogant way. I really don't. I, I, I really, in, in just a, what's it, what's it like to have this kind of deluge of information that may be kind of shaky in its accuracy? Um, I mean, you're getting on one of my favorite subjects. Um, I love telling people that my job got 300 times harder in the last three years. Um, when I when I started developing, it was uh, 2012, right around uh, right around April, and I, and I taught myself because I couldn't use my political science degree that I had just got. And uh, one of my great friends, uh, roommate at the time, Joe Early, uh, was was coding and having a great time with it. And I said, all right, you know, this guy loves his job and he's passionate about it. He comes home and does this for fun. So I'm doing this. Um, when, I, when I started looking at jobs and started learning some JavaScript and HTML, um, there were job offers for uh, JavaScript. That was a year when everyone uh, code rock stars existed, and they were looking for JavaScript oh, rock stars or JavaScript ninjas. I think, I still, I think honestly, I still see that on some recruiting emails that I get. Are you, are you a PHP <laughs> rock star? Well, I like energy drinks from time to time. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I play guitar, but I don't know. Yeah, I've long, I've long hair and I play guitar. Is that count? No, 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 it's not. We we meant, are you a, a big nerd? Oh, no. I mean, yes, yes, of course. But. Whichever you want. Yeah, whatever, whatever magic phrase I have to say to advance in the interview. <laughs> that's what I'm gonna look for. Yeah. Anyway, go on, please. Yeah. So um, at that time, you could get ninety to one hundred and fifty k for being a rock star, and that meant that you knew HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, and mostly one JavaScript library at the time. And that was a time when the big libraries that would do a whole lot of stuff for you, uh, data binding and stuff, started coming out like Backbone. Uh, the and, first and what Angular. is what is data binding, really quickly? Um, it's just a nice way of, I mean, like Rails has it, where you're able to, they have uh, embedded Ruby files, where you're able to take your Ruby variables from your controllers, your um, your data in the back end, and just pop that right into your, your views. So, you know, I can uh, update a... Uh, you know, a list of the, the shows that I have coming out and and it's just a template and it and it dynamically pops in an HTML string of all the new show that I'm going to be playing for every piece of data that's in my back end. Oh, wow. So That's really... Uh, uh, so that's... they started making that with JavaScript and being able to do that on your own and writing your own JavaScript stacks for it um, instead of the big opinionated uh, frameworks. And and that was nice, but um, that the field has since unified... Uh, and now that's the norm is to use uh, a big JavaScript framework in uh, uh, in cahoots with like a big stack like React or with Rails or with a PHP stack. And well, let, let's talk about a big distinction uh, that happened this decade in web design and why it make why it really makes. Uh, am I clipping? Does it sound like I'm clipping? Am I? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not really peeking. It's getting close, but not not really. I really do apologize to our dear listeners. Don't worry. Next week will be better, probably because we might pre-recorded anyway we could edit the show that's another story <laughs> um no so uh what are the big changes that happened with javascript frameworks and uh in the, in that definitely this decade i want to say since 2012 is this thing called a virtual dom oh yeah what is what is a dom regular uh, regular the regular dom the regular dom is your html and all the css and what does dom stand for the, oh man document object model and uh, just everything that's in your browser window, and it's everything that, all the code that's there, all the HTML, the CSS links into it, the JavaScript. And, uh, you know, up till about 2012, everyone was happy writing our HTML, our, our DOM in normal HTML and all that stuff. And now that's not acceptable anymore <laughs> to and, a lot of people. Well, why, why is it not acceptable? Uh, it's not the fastest way. It's not the most efficient way. There's a lot of better ways to come about doing what this. What makes it? There's one thing that these libraries typically do. Uh, in addition to abstracting the model for the for the document, and just to, by the way, um, to elaborate on what you said, sure. the the document object model, as you so correctly explained, is uh, kind of like a tree. That they take the markup of your of your document. Um, I'm trying not to call it code because technically HTML is a markup language. It's not a programming language. That's the ML in it. Um, they make a tree out of all of the elements in your in your document, and uh, they kind of and they ha shows the relationships with each other. What is the one thing that all of these virtual DOM libraries typically do? Uh, so what they do is instead of rendering the entire DOM every time, they compare and they look at they ca they render themselves on the server and they're able to see what already exists on the website and what you have that's changed, and then they just take the differences and insert that. Exactly. Quite Much fit. more assistive. Quite fit. Right. <laughs> because when you because there, there are things that you change that can trigger 
uh, paint events or, or reflowing on the page that will cause the entire page to re-render. And if you say, and that could, and you can do that with one line of code. And then if the second line of code right below it also does the same thing, then it, you're, you're going to feel the page kind of choke when you, when you uh, do something that messes with the contents of the script. So these libraries, like you said, Tyler, uh, do a fantastic job of kind of combining all of the things that you want to do onto a particular um, a, a DOM tree, let's say, and, uh, and then just executing them all at once in a way that is just one reflow, one refresh, one paint event. It really simplifies things. It's better for memory management, like you said. It's more efficient, like you said. Um, yeah, exactly. And it's manifested in a really nice way to write code, I think, is you kind of write your HTML in JavaScript and you write all the functionality that you well, normally would have written mean, in JavaScript along with it. And it, that, well, are you talking about uh, JSX or are you just talking about not even writing HTML anymore? Well, there are things like JSX now. Um, for instance, we've been using over at Littlestar a, a new framework called Chew, and that's by uh, Yashua Wyatt. It looks, it looks very similar to React. It almost is. In fact, uh, you, it's really beneficial because it's a little lighter than React, but it also wraps uh, Redux, I believe, so you get all the best uh, parts of React's uh, unidirectional data binding. But and that's another topic in itself. Um, but Chew comes with, uh, it renders within, uh, within ES6's new uh, backtick templating strings. And you just have the JavaScript interpolation right there. So you actually, because of the way that Chew is set up, you don't need JSX, but it looks just like JSX. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. And in that amount of time, with your beautiful explanation, I was able to fix the <laughs> iPad. Thank you. Uh, so what, you want to you want to restart the show? No. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it looks like just to say this out loud, because why not? This is a tech show, and we have a. This is technically about technology. We have a 16-channel mixer here, and it looks like two of these things were unplugged. The cable that goes into the auxiliary laptop iPad uh, channel did not actually go into the mixer. Taking away our fun sound effects. I know! <laughs> that's not... That's why you get into radio. That's exactly why I got into radio. That means two things. You know? <laughs> so, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, this is... And this is... All these Family Guy references are why I wish Christian were here. And like I said, I really... Uh, you know, I, I really I really do miss him. I really wish he were here today. And, the, uh, the you know, the fact that, Tyler, you're here, I can't thank you enough. And... Uh, um, the, the, we could have a fantastic, a fantastic conversation with, with Christian and I. And in fact, why don't we talk about how the three of us, three of us came together? Oh, that's a fun story. Um, you worked with Christian first. Yeah, that was he typically, actually even first. though he's younger than me. Um, he, I'm not, not by a lot, but he, you know, still counts. Um, he's, he still met you first. Yeah. Uh, so Christian actually worked with me at my very first programming job. Uh, it was a contract gig for... My first full-time program. And programming what job. what year was that? This was uh, summer 2014, July. Uh, we got we were double outsourced to eventually Pearson Education Group, and let's let's not talk about names on the show. Oh, and anyway, uh, yeah, it might be uh, you don't you, you don't want to name names right in a in a uh, on a radio show unless sure. unless you really unless you really want to. Sure. So that's all I'll say about that. And uh, no, I mean you could talk about the oh gig, no 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 but you yeah. just can't you don't I wouldn't I wouldn't name names. Sure, there were no more names. <laughs> okay, so you you I mean, did this. You you worked at an agency that had double outsourced work. You were you were the you were the doubly outsourced agency. Is that yeah, what it is? Yeah. So, <clears throat> the client had 
their agency that they probably know or have a previous relationship with, and they paid millions and millions and millions of dollars. And then that agency said, well, this is a lot of money. You know, we could actually make even more money if we outsourced this to other people and then paid them instead of millions and millions, pay them thousands and thousands. And uh, so they outsourced the agency that you worked for, which was where? What neighborhood? Uh, we ended up working downtown. But I, I think uh, I think it was a place on 6th Avenue that that uh, outsourced us to an agency down in Soho, which outsourced us to an agency in the very lower west part of Manhattan. Jeez. Did you guys, <laughs> did the three of you, like, ever meet somewhere together? Or was it just, like, this giant chain of no, emails going around downtown never Manhattan? never met the first people. They sent us checks from Park Avenue. And then the first day we went to a cool tech agency we thought we'd be working at. And then they gave us a laptop and walked us over to the final office we'd be working at. Wow. Um, so how long was this? You were a contractor. Yeah, three-month gig. Three-month gig. So you knew it was three months going in. Mm-hmm. Was there the possibility to extend? No. No. That's the, you know, that's the problem with, with contractors. I was a contractor for real. I mean, I did, free, I did entirely freelance web design for a decade. And uh, I still do it, but uh, it's not 100% of my time, mostly because the contracting life is not an easy life. It sounds fun. Do you want to walk? Do you? Hey guys, do you want to work at an exciting ad agency in Manhattan? Well, of course. Who doesn't? Who doesn't want to do that? Who doesn't want to? I mean, in that, and and when I started doing it, I lived in uh, New Haven, Connecticut, and so you know, who wants? Who doesn't want to get the fuck out of Connecticut for a few hours a day? <laughs> and even though it's on one of the worst trains in the world, uh, and I and I literally had all the flus for six months. It uh, all the flu- all the flus. I one led right into another, right into another, and it was uh, but it was worth it because I got to get out of Connecticut every. No, it was worth it because I got the beautiful experience of working for an ad agency in Manhattan, and uh, you really, I mean, it's it's fun, but that kind of and they love getting kids kids in their early and mid twenties because the the naivete of them, myself included, naivete of them, and just the energy that they have and the the amount that they can be buffaloed into doing anything and just accepting shit from anybody because look around you it's downtown manhattan you can't get better than that maybe no i mean it's not it's better i'd say it's better than even midtown manhattan uh it's really uh it, that that kind of is tints your view of of the the shitty things that they may do to you may uh one of them might just be firing you like that they might just say go home Okay, well, I thought I did a good job. Yeah, I know you did, but you know, just get the fuck out of here. Um, or, or, and that's, you know, that's if you did something bad. Or if you did something good, uh, they'll say, okay, um, good job. Now uh, go home, get the fuck out of here. And it's really, that's it, it's really tough. Because, uh, you know, you, you really have to bust your, even if you're a regular person at an ad agency, you have to bust your ass a lot. And dealing with clients, and, and especially the bigger the clients, the bigger the problems, um, it's not. It's not easy. It's. It's definitely something that you'd want to end up uh, taking heartburn medicine for after a while. <laughs> but anyway, I don't want to distract. So you worked at an ad. Uh, worked at an ad agency or an agency rather, web development consultancy. Let's sure. say downtown, doubly outsourced for a big client. Yep. And uh, you. What did you go in there? Like? Whoa. <laughs> Sorry, that was Phil Spector wanted to jump in and say hi from jail. Yeah, he uh, likes doing that. He does. Season's but, greetings. But thanks. Hi, hi Phil. I hope he's you're... still collecting those royalties off that Christmas song. I hope you're doing well. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Um, he's like, uh, yeah, I'm making money from jail this year. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, having, uh, sleeping with all of his pop stars 
just like uh, what's her face my be my baby <laughs> yeah <laughs> this was his wife and uh yeah anyway i watched this documentary on the wrecking crew last night i'm still i i maybe it's because i'm from south florida and i like old people music but there is something to the that 60s pop that um i think we've lost in the modern age and it might just be the fact that there were a ton of fucking session musicians playing one song and and magic with mono too i mean people don't know how to do that and you had you people uh I saw an interesting thing yesterday. Uh, cool Cat Roy Hamilton, who I found out was Elvis's uh, kind of idol singing-wise. Really great uh, Velvet Boys from the 50s. And I saw a YouTube video of them live in the studio, which is four tracks, four individual microphones. Wow. And you see a nice, like, huge room, and, and everything's treated right. And you have the whole string section on one side, and you got one microphone for them. You have one microphone for the artist, and he's sitting two and a half feet away from it singing. And then you have a, a circle of guys doing harmonies over one other microphone. Uh, uh, just in a circle, and they're so all about two feet away. That's four mics for what, twelve people? Yeah, something yeah, like that's that. A lot. And then you're just you're able to hear the music they came up with after, and it's like it's so beautiful. The the room is great, and and now we have every single tool under the the sun for editing music, and and we can't quite create that. Yeah, there's something about um, resource restriction, and, and this happens in all sorts of media. Resource restriction that really propels people to to go the extra mile to do the thing. It's so. Uh, hold on one second. It's it's really... Uh, I always forget that this microphone isn't attached to my head when I try to do something that's slightly away from the computer, <laughs> which totally kills the illusion that everything that I'm talking about is in my head. Um, but it's... <laughs> it's uh, no, it's, it's, it's this thing about resource restriction. It's, it's just so ironic because there are a lot of movies that we remake today. In fact, most movies that are out are remakes uh, now, which is a, a, a rant that I won't go on about... Why? But I think a lot of the uh, a lot a lot of the reason why they tend to studios would like to remake movies is because they're like, man, the original Ghostbusters was so good. It was so well written, and the, the actors were great, and and everything was great. But they didn't have computers. They didn't have CGI. <laughs> so what if, what if instead of that gross analog stuff, we made the same movie? And then just redid everything with CGI. And then also uh, changed all the characters to women because we want to have a more egalitarian uh, program. And we'll put so much money into the CGI that we won't have any money for good writers after. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then the budget that the remake gets is like something that the original writers and producers of the show, they would piss themselves if they ever got close to that amount of money. So the studios were like, well, you know, they had a low budget and this turned out to be a real big gain for the studio. So let's give them 10 times as much money with 100 times as much technology and see what happens. It sucks. And it, 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 it's, it's, it's sad. It's a modern dilemma because there is something to not having what you need and, and, and being forced to improvise it, much like we're, we have with this radio show in this radio studio right now. It pushes you to be better as I pop on the mic. It pushes you to be better and it pushes you to try to figure out how to make stuff work without, without having the tool readily available. Um, another quick tangent, when I was in college, I, uh, there, I, I was taking a film class and I had a really, really dinky uh, power book. It shows my age. Power book G4 <laughs> from 2004 and this was in 2007. Are these the kind that had color panels on the side? No. That's an iBook. Oh. Yeah, no, that, no, this is the power book. It's uh, like, you know, the first, the aluminum MacBook Pros before the Unibody? Yeah. That's what it looked like. It nice. just, uh, it was just worse. I had a MacBook Pro in 2006. Right, so it's like that, 
It's the same sort of aluminum. Aluminium. Jolly aluminium. aluminium uh, case. Um, it's just, it's, it has a, a, a Motorola Power PC processor in it instead of the Intel uh, Core. It wasn't even, I don't even think it was a Core Duo. I think the 2006 MacBook Pros were a Core Solo. And they overheated really easily. I can't believe a bad cell phone company made computer processors. They were, at, you know, Motorola actually made a lot of shit. And uh, what happened? They were bought by Google. Were they? Yeah. Google bought their, at least their phones, their phone division. And that's how they're doing the uh, the Nexus phones, is because they bought Motorola. Oh. Yeah, a couple of years ago. So then they're going to fade out Nexus once the Pixel's crushing it? Probably. But who, who knows? I mean, companies these days are phasing out products that people people seem to like. Like Apple. Oh. Of course. Of course, Apple. In this... Uh, the trend that, that, that Christian and I have des- definitely been noticing, Tyler, is that Microsoft... This, this is, 2016 has been the year of, of just every, everything's turned on its head. Yeah. And Microsoft joins the Linux Foundation in 2016. I was working at a .NET shop during the Build Conference when they announced that. Right. They announced Did that you .NET would be, Yeah, they announced it would be open source. And I thought, what the hell? I used to have a $10,000 license for myself that my boss exactly. paid for. And, so, that, <laughs> and those $10,000 licenses, and that's just for you. There were CEOs that day that dropped tons of money the day before and then said, shit, this is now open source. Yeah. No, <laughs> exactly. Free. Exactly. And, but the thing is, is that that type of licensing scheme is what created, that was Bill Gates' idea, that, was, that created the largest software empire the world has ever seen and possibly that the world will ever see because this century we're trending towards the democratization of of these types of tools and and code and it's i don't know if it has something to do with the consolidation of companies that's allowing companies to give software away that they used to charge ten thousand dollars per seat per seat if you have 30 people at a company they each pay 10 grand that's three hundred thousand dollars it's still one company every year or if you have an msdn subscription that's a couple grand every year and i mean that's what created the billion 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 dollar multi multi-billion dollar empire uh of microsoft but now they're giving it away and now office windows is basically free office is like five bucks a month and uh they're outsourcing net, which like you said it used to have you ha- used to have a, have to buy windows server you have to buy visual studio you have to buy all this extra stuff and now they're just like have it have it I mean, Go. yeah, the, the the difference in open source code versus not open source code for the last 20 years has almost meant open source or Microsoft made. And right. now Microsoft is open source. It's it's as if uh, the Empire in Star Wars opened up a Jedi police force. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good analogy. It's a good Thank analogy. You. Yeah, I, I really... Uh, I, it's, 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 it, it really must be a sign of the times or just how... Just how technology is changing because, you know, Apple doesn't charge for OS X. They don't charge for a lot of their software. And the software they do charge for, like, there used to be a lot of money, like Final Cut. Final Cut Studio used to be mad expensive. And now, maybe it's because they took away 90% of the features. It's much less (laughs) money. It's much less money. And I, but yet these companies are still largely profitable. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know what's like keeping Microsoft afloat because they, everybody always said it's Windows and Office, but now they're giving them away. I think that my favorite part about the new uh, Apple deal is that it is December 4th. We heard about the iPhone 7 no less than two months ago. And last night I was out and I heard a girl talking about how she was excited to get the iPhone 8. Well, there's always, I mean... Already the iPhone 7 is done. Yeah, and but people are already talking about 100%. the 2020 election, you know? it's the, the, As soon as... Uh, I don't know if it has something to do with the materialism culture that we have these days, but 
Um, there is something to the, like, I wait and wait and wait, I got it, okay, this is cool, let me throw it away. What's the next thing? I want, the, I want, I want, I want, I want, oh, this sucks, oh, this sucks, I want the next one, I want, I want, I want, oh, this sucks, oh, this sucks. It's like, that's the constant, whether it's, it's, it's technology or it's TV shows, people spend a whole year making TV shows, people then watch them in 36 hours, and they go, oh, it sucked, well, you're not supposed to watch it in 36 hours. It took a year for them to make. You know, it's like a Thanksgiving dinner for television production. You, it takes all day to make and 10 minutes to eat. It's really... <clears throat> It, because what happens when you... And I'm not saying don't binge-watch stuff that's going against the flow of modern media consumption. That'd be ridiculous to say. But just keep this in mind when you do. That never before had a whole year of television ever been meant to just be consumed brand new, not as a retrospective, in a, in a weekend. And what happens when you do that is you see all the little cracks in the show that you usually would forget about between week <laughs> and week. If you're Like if when you're watching an old show like Roseanne or, or Cheers, which both, I found out, are still very much on TV. Um, when I went down to Baltimore for Thanksgiving and they had television and cable, I was I turned it on. I was like, oh man, 200 channels of cool Verizon Fios cable. Fantastic. With a nice 50-inch high-def TV. Let's see what we got. Drozan, really? <laughs> so, yeah. No, but um, it's... I, I, the thing is, is when they, you know, when you make a whole year of television, there are mistakes. People are human, and people in, in, in production facilities are usually quite squeezed to get stuff out. Uh, and the quality of television, I don't think has been, in terms of production quality, I don't think has been higher. Uh, which is really marvelous that we're in a day and age where you can shit out all of this stuff that's basically like a movie a week, but they've released the whole season at once, and then you can watch it in a weekend and start complaining about it on Monday. The writing, though, on TV, I feel, has gotten better in a lot of aspects. Not on network TV. Cable, absolutely. I, yeah, it's hard to differentiate because I watch so many shows across so many things. And you don't have a television either. Yeah, I'm, I'm on Netflix and streaming and everything. You're one of the proud Bushwick people. I don't have a television. <laughs> hey, did you watch the I new have... South Park? I don't have a television. Actually, I do. I was in a select test, uh, test area, Bushwick, for Time Warner Cable, who, uh, let's just say it wasn't much more money to get TV uh, along with my good internet. If you're gonna you're right, and, that's, and, and they know that. The cable companies... They've restructured their pricing model, so the value add for cable is not that much more money, and the big, the big lump is now is now the internet. But and what they did, and I'm shocked to say this, I've been very, very satisfied with have, my Time Warner cable service. Do you have here. Time Warner at home? Yes, but what they did, we were in a select zone, and they gave me my TV through a Roku, which is awesome. What, what I mean, you can just buy a Roku and use the internet. Yeah, but my Time Warner goes through the Roku, so I can actually get my actual Time Warner cable TV on the Roku, but so there's also the, a Roku remote that has a Netflix and a Hulu button. So instead of a cable box, mm -hmm. they, you have a Roku. Yeah. Wow. And the only downside is that uh, my cable box goes directly through my internet, internet. line. So, so if you're watching TV, it slows down the internet. Exactly. And but what I paid speed, for good internet. What speed do you have? I got like 200 megabits a second. Oh! And I pay 80 bucks a month, and that comes with TV. Uh, what happened to America having the worst internet in the developed world? Oh my god, you only have 200 megabits a second? <laughs> how do you live? Actually, I think I've said how do you live every episode at least once for gotta, various reasons. You got a catchphrase. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um... Well, I, you know, I, I very rarely do I hear people who are happy with their cable service, period. And then even more rarely do I hear people who are happy with Time Warner. Oh, yeah. And I think Time Warner may actually be worse than Comcast. I'm pretty sure they were the lowest rated customer service company in the 
in the country. Yeah, because why? When they're the monopoly in your area, fuck you. Yeah, but this, they've rebranded, so we can talk shit about them in spectrum. their old name. <laughs> no, oh. now you said the Nord. Now, see, we were well, anonymous. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> so we're not working for Spectrum. If you were like, I worked for Spectrum, that would be a... But if you if you talk about it as like a service that's being offered or something that you have, it's totally fine, as long as they're not advertisers on the show, which we don't have any advertisers except for me plugging the stuff that I make on my own. <laughs> yes, which I will probably... I probably do. See, if I had that pulled up, I would have just segued right into the, and that's how you produce a good radio show, but I'm not that good yet. Anyway, um, so you have, so you have time, and you, so you can just watch, just, you, see, you just, you can just watch any channel on, any channel. Yeah. Even local stations on Roku? Uh, I haven't checked that out because I actually hate using the actual TV part. Because oh. I have to deal with commercials, commercials and I have to choose what they want to watch and I, I show up in the middle of shows. That doesn't work. How much... I watched the World Series. <laughs> that was great. I mean, I watched the World Series online. That's which I, I mean, and I, I'm not even really. Actually, a, I might have streamed the World Series because it's a pain in the ass to go into the into the Roku to get the Time Warner app in the Roku to then go find the channel, geez. and you don't have a the Roku controller does not have channel numbers, so you have to just use up and down. You know, before you started explaining exactly how you go about using it, it sounded much better. Yeah. Well, see, I use the Netflix and the Hulu button on it. Oh well, okay, that's cool. Um... Right, and 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 by the way, whenever I go somewhere with television or, or that has cable, I'm always so happy to to, to be in that place because I feel like oh, I've been missing this for so long. Turn it on, whether it's a you know I'm in a hotel somewhere or I go visit some relatives who are old that have that type of stuff. Um, commercials. That's it. That's all that you see are commercials and syndicated programs and shitty network television. By the way, oh, I so wanted shitty. to mention yeah uh, when you were talking about writing and television. Here's, a, here's another quick, quick tangent. Um, back in the Breaking Bad days, which I think ended in 2013, 24, early 2014, uh, my ex-girlfriend and I, my previous life, I had a girlfriend and then we had a house together with a television and cable. And, uh, now I've and you were things. a JavaScript rock star. I was a JavaScript rock star with long hair. Um, <laughs> what is it? We, the, we watched the series finale of Breaking Bad. The series finale, the end of the show, was fantastic. I mean, every part of that, the acting, the writing, the cinematography, the production, every part of it was beautiful beautiful and you're kind of like even after the show's over you're left with that like post-sex kind of glow like, oh oh it's it's great what do we do now well let's let's watch person of interest she was a big fan of person of interest on cbs and it immediately just it's like a square wave for quality it just goes from one all the way back down to zero <laughs> and yeah it's in high def. we didn't have a high def tv but you know yeah it's in high def and yeah you know it's produced well but you just say i'm sorry mr race i can't do that for you oh no the computer is coming to get people and i can't the the writing and the acting on the show is fucking garbage and that and by the way uh jonathan nolan is producing westworld now which is another show that is produced really well and is shot really well but the writing and acting is Really? I've heard nothing Anthony but incredible Hopkins. things, and I've heard... Uh, you know, we don't read anymore as, as people. I think the, our bar for what we expect... Sorry, that's really hard. In fact, I think the season finale is, the se is tonight of Westworld, so a lot of people will be excited about that. And uh, but, I mean, most people have been going crazy over the possible alternate timeline scenarios. Here's, here's what I would say. And I don't know anything. Here's, here, no, here's what I would say. If you, if you are a fan of Westworld, and, and please, you know, maybe there's something about the show that I haven't seen. I, sh I, I might need to be enlightened, but... Um, with just close your eyes close your eyes and watch five minutes of, listen to five minutes of the show because there's so much of your, of your brain that gets distracted by visuals that you kind of if the show looks really good it, you might be distracted from some of the shittier points of the writing and the acting so try this out 
and let me know how it goes. Close your eyes for five minutes, you know, just one scene, maybe two scenes, and listen to the people talk. And, you know, make sure it's the scene without the, the, the celebrity cameos that actually know how to act. Um, and see what happens. And I tried doing that the first couple episodes of Westworld, and I just, uh, I'm sorry. Hmm. Uh, what I find really interesting about TV lately is it's kind of hit and miss. Um, there's not consistent channels that are crushing it so much as... Just individual programs? Yeah. Like, and, and this goes into uh, another great, another great um, discussion about active versus passive media con- uh, consumption. Because in the 20th century, all, I, I would say most media was passive. And when I say passive, I mean you turn on the TV and you just watch what's on. Because that's what's on. You don't control the program. You can, right. You can change the channel, but that's, you know, that's your passive stream versus another, another network's, you know, ABC's passive stream versus NBC's passive stream. But you don't control the programming. Active media consumption is saying, I want to watch, I want to binge watch Breaking Bad. I want, I want to watch Back to the Season, season 3, two. Episode 2 of Friends. Exactly. Right now. Exactly. And so what's happening is we're in this transition between going to a much more actively consumed media market. And... As a result, you, you have, we're right now kind of in the middle where people are trying to lure you to watch stuff on, on the, on, live on TV. Um, but most people, especially younger people, just watch it on a streaming service or they pirate the show or they don't. They know what they want to watch, which is the program and not the network. But there still is something to be said about you know coming home from work, you come home late at night and you just want to veg out and not really give a shit about what's on. Uh, that's perfect for passive. But I don't know. What, which do you prefer? Uh, I love active, but a lot of the new active formats are not embracing uh, pa- passive uh, and hybrid options. The biggest one that I would like to vent about is, like I said, it's not really about the individual channel or TV station. It's random hit and miss shows. Uh, so like my biggest concern lately is uh, Netflix. And I can't make playlists on Netflix, and I should be able to. It was Thanksgiving, and I should have been able to type in Thanksgiving and then queue up 20 different Thanksgiving episodes from different and shows. That Eli Roth uh, fake trailer for Grindhouse for Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, should have been able to watch those all in a row. So then I'm actively but passively watching something at the same time because I'm watching a playlist. So the playlist is in, a, in an order. But but remember, much like Spotify, it. Netflix has to pay a royalty every time this stuff shows. If you queue up five movies and then go take a vacation, they still have to pay for that. That might be why times. And then remember that's but that's one. why they made their Are you still watching feature? Well, right. But then that would also, that butts up against the playlist. Because what good is a playlist if it still stops every 30 minutes? You're still watching, you have to stop what you're doing and hit yes. That's true. Um, I, I don't, I mean, and I'm, not, I'm not saying it's not a great idea, because of course it is. But I'm just trying to think of why they might not have, why they might not have done it. I can't find an argument for why they wouldn't have other than that they just haven't. Because License, I'd say licensing or rights. Well, they have autoplay on the shows, on normal shows anyway. On TV shows? Mm-hmm. What about movies? Uh, I, I think, I, I think don't know. I, I don't that, know. that, and, and like I said, I, I think, I really believe that's a, a rights discussion. Hulu has an autoplay algorithm that but is based on... But that's per series. Uh, no, no, no. Hulu's algorithm is based on bath salts. I'm sorry? <laughs> bath salts? It's the most random algorithm. You will, uh, Hulu I found, you'll, you'll leave from one episode and then maybe go to a different episode of the same show and then jump to a different show and then you'll jump to not even episodes, but clips of stuff. Really? So it's like, uh, Apple's genius but for TV. <laughs> yes. Interesting. Hey, Tyler, do you have an iPhone 6S? No, I have an I have a Galaxy and, S7 Edge. Oh, S7 Edge. Does yeah. that run the uh, Microsoft browser Edge? 
Uh, oh, no. No, no, no. no. Edge is a, <laughs> Yeah, Edge is a... I don't know. As soon as one company comes up with a good word to use, it's like every other major company has to kind of find another way to use it. <laughs> um, well, Apple... I have an iPhone 6S, and I have this big problem with it. It sucks. It's about a year old, and... I mean, the, the, fact, like, the fact that it's such a marvelous computer and it just fits in your pocket is fantastic, but the fact that it also just dies after a year is not acceptable. When the, you know that the most, most of the components are still perfectly fine, but there's one or two things that really cause it to mess up. So the big problem that my iPhone 6S has is it turns off randomly. Usually when I'm in a bad neighborhood and trying to look at Google Maps for how to get out, that's usually what happened. And one time I was in Bed-Stuy at 1 o'clock in the morning and I was listening to something. I had, I, I took, I had like 30% of my battery left. I was listening to something, some music, and I took out Google Maps and I was like, all right, where am I going? Because I, I really need to figure this out and hide my phone again. Uh, it, it did one of these thinking, you know, like it's gurgling, gurgling, and then it just turns off. And, and then it just says, I need to be plugged in. Well, you had 40% of the battery. What happened? <laughs> what happened? I understand if you do that when you have 2% of the battery. And also previously, not this phone, eh, maybe this phone specifically, but other iPhones, when it gets too cold like under 20 degrees, and you get a nice wind that blows, it will turn off the phone because it gets too cold. Mine turned off at 105 degrees. And when it gets too Arizona. hot. Zero humidity, though. Right. Well, the, what's funny is um, when it gets too cold, because Apple's from California, and it doesn't get cold in California, well, mm -hmm. where they are. It doesn't it. change temperature at all. What happens, <laughs> what happens is it shows the it's too hot screen when it's too cold. Like, oh. the iPhone has overheated. I'm like, it's five degrees outside. It's not. It's just too cold. So, Swing and a miss. Yeah. But I bring this up because Apple, there are other people that have the same exact problem that I do. Oh, by the way, I have my story in that is like I got mugged. No, I walked into a bodega. I'm not kidding. I walked into a bodega with, like, you know, my express shirt on and my skinny jeans on and my cabbie hat. You didn't have to read a map, did you? No. I did something. I, 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 I used my gentrification glasses to pick a bodega that would actually help me out, and I succeeded because I found a guy that was watching an iPhone, and I asked if I could use some of his juice to plug it in. And you plug it in, and you count to 10, and it turns back on. And it's like, what was the problem? Well, I don't know. What was the problem? You turned yourself off, and then you, as soon as you got some AC, you turned back on like nothing was wrong. So Apple has now started uh, a recall program for the iPhone 6s that do this. And I checked, and you can go to apple.com slash, just Google it. Just, you know, it's a long URL. Just Google Apple iPhone 6s uh, uh, recall. And you, you'll be led to a page on Apple's website called iPhone 6s program for unexpected shutdown issues. Apple has determined that a very no small number of iPhones, probably much larger than they say, a very small number of iPhones. I mean, remember, they make tens of millions of them, so... Small is relative. They might have a patent on small. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Apple has determined that a very small TM number of iPhone 6s may unexpectedly shut down. This is not a safety issue and only affects iPhone 6s that were purchased from Apple. Oh. What? No. Uh, only affects uh, devices within a limited serial number range that were manufactured between September and October 2015. September, October 2015 are... That's exactly when the iPhone 6S came out. So all of the geeks like me that were like, oh my god, my iPhone 5S sucks because of the same reasons. <laughs> we now got a shitty 6S Oof. that dies... Because this happened right when the 7 came out. As soon as the... I know... I know I'm just looking at... I know, I know it's in my head. But I really feel like as soon as the 7 came out... I didn't touch the 7, I didn't look at the 7, just watched the keynote, my 6S got shittier. 
And that's just what happens. Yep. It just starts getting slower, and the battery doesn't work, and now, like, it's hard to charge. If, if the wind blows while the cable's in, it stops charging. The battery turns off at 40%. This is... The rest of the computer is fabulous. The display is fabulous. It's, it's really fast. It has, like, two gigs of RAM and a phone. The battery used to last um, multiple days. When I got it in, in October of 2015... It was, and I was, this was the biggest thing, because I don't really do too much on my phone, and I have a very similar usage pattern, because my life outside of the trade show is generally boring. So it went from one charge every three days, which was, oh, amazing. Beautiful. beautiful. And to two weeks after I got it, it came with iOS 9. Then two weeks after I got it, they updated to 9.0.1, and the battery life just tanked. It went from one charge in three days to three charges per day. And that's where it's sat since. And this has happened with every god... I'm sorry, I don't want to curse, but every fucking iOS device I've had. I've started with the iPod Touch 2, second generation. That's like nine devices. They all are beautiful when you get them from the store, but as soon as there's a software update, it kills the battery. Well, here is your problem. You upgraded to the 5 from the 4. The 4 was a better phone than the 5. S. I was always on the S track. Yeah, the 4S was, was arguably 4S the was best iPhone. I still have one. It still works great. It's got 32 gigs of memory. I upgraded wow. to the 5 and had 8 gigs of memory, and the 5 was basically worthless to me. Right, right. And I have uh, I have 32 now in, in my 6S, which is great, and I'll, I'll never... No, sorry. Uh, 64. That's they great. went 16, 64, 120. I have 32 in mine, but I can hold up to 200 gigs of SD card. SD card stuff. Oh, why do you still have an SD slot, Tyler? Your phone is slightly thicker. <laughs> Why don't you take some ports away, make it harder to use, but it looks better? I will say I actually switched to this phone in April this year, and it's the first time I haven't had an iPhone since iPhones have existed. Oh, man, and how do you feel about that? So I had some iFOMO to begin with. iFOMO. <laughs> so uh. I fear of missing out, but... That's good. <laughs> anyway... Uh, the only things that I, uh, about the battery, my battery is very accurate. If I have 2%, it will tell me 2%. It won't die early. It does not last as long as an iPhone battery conventionally, but your battery doesn't last anyway now. No. Like <laughs> uh, I said, and, and and by the way, because I have to charge it three times in a day, there's, oh, you can only, you can do without the headphone port and the lightning port because you only really need to use one. And bullshit. When I have to do, when, when you, when the next iOS update comes out and all the iPhone 7s have to be constantly plugged into a cord, it's going to be a real pain. For really? Apple and Apple again, they 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 are they are off the reservation, and I and, and it's mostly because there's no baby running the company, and I say that in the most endearing way possible. As I said on the first episode of Pull Request, Steve Jobs tr- threw enough temper tantrums to change the course of technology. He really did, and it, it's there's nobody that gets really bent out of shape when stuff doesn't work properly at Apple. If you had a device that a couple months into it just died and that was the majority of the devices, he would be fucking livid and he would just start cursing and yelling and throwing things until people got it that they have to do a better job. Interesting note about uh, the VR field in Apple. For those of you with iPhones that think, hey, uh, how come all my friends with Android phones ha- can put it into a, a, a Rift or a um, Oh, you can't do Google that with Daydream. an iPhone? No, and the reason is is that Apple has a patent. We talked about Apple patents oh earlier. And Apple has a patent on any device that holds an iPhone in it in front of your eyes in a VR style. Is there a facepalm sound effect? I, I don't wish. I don't just... Like, so, 
I, oh my god. What, but that does lead to interesting points. They may be, uh, they haven't released anything, so they surely have a patent how on How are it. they allowed, sure. wait, but how are they allowed to have a patent on that when the technology isn't novel? That's part of the it's reason the why there's a patent. It's a result of a broken patent system where you can patent almost anything arbitrarily in technology. And all those companies have rooms of lawyers that their job is to find things that can be patentable and then try to patent it. Yeah, and the whole patent subject is, is a whole other radio show discussion yes. because it surely it clearly did play up uh have a big part in in the turn of the century and the industrial revolution it helped a lot and now it's it's causing problems in certain cases absolutely every system is rife for exploit and our patent system is thoroughly broken but back to apple's shittiness there's one other thing that apple used to make really well that they've decided to not look at the numbers, not look at the performance charts. When I say performance, I mean sales. I mean business performance charts of this product. Because they just do what the fuck they want. Apple is stopping making airport routers. Which Apple used to make routers. They were called airports. And, and, and 10 years ago, the Wi-Fi and, and PowerBooks and MacBooks were called airport cards. And... Um, they have airport expresses or small routers. The airport extremes are the big guys, and they have time capsules, which just are a, a network-based storage. And the the airport routers were always more expensive than your run-of-the-mill Netgear or Linksys, but they were the, possibly the best consumer routers on the market. This is before Google made routers. I don't know. I didn't know Google made routers, they but do I also don't want great. them selling my web traffic. So. Oh, you know that they're doing that. Oh, they own my entire operating system on my phone. They yeah, know everything I, that no, I do. No, no, but they can give that. you really good Wi-Fi in your house. <laughs> of course. That's the low-hanging fruit, and then they monetize your traffic, Tyler. That's not... But so that's Apple is... I get better advertisements on Facebook. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so here's a J.D. Power 2016 wireless router satis satisfaction report from this year, okay? At the bottom is, unfortunately, a company that used to be heralded as great routers... Linksys, which was purchased by Cisco a few years ago, they received an 834. Uh, you know, all of these scores are actually within like 30 points of each other. So it's, and they get, I'm sorry, they get two smiley faces and they get an 834. Uh, then goes Belkin, the average, is report average, Netgear, TP-Link, D-Link, Asus at 860 with four smileys. And then the winner with 876 points and five smiley faces Apple Airport router from 2016. Five smiley five faces. Five smiley faces. Which none of the other guys, none of the other guys have five smileys. No. And no. And um, so what, what does that mean? Well, that means that uh, this is too good for Apple, and Apple just has to stop making them. Yeah. No, they're doing something well. Because why? Why? You it's why like make the laptops. Them? They were doing something well, and now they're not. Yes. Um, it's really exactly. sad. Uh, the, the saddest part that I'd like to point out with their new laptops is they, they added one cool component. Well, no. Their new component, the new what tool. What did they add? The, oh, the, the control toolbar. And, and the cool part about that, the, the coolest thing I saw in the demo was that someone was mixing video, and they were able to, they had the whole representation of the track left and right on the thing. So they could drag their finger left or right and go to the two-minute spot in the video track or the one-minute, and that was cool. But, but you but don't know. You're limited to 16 is. gigs of RAM, so nobody is going to be editing video when they're limited to 16 gigs of ram oh. well professional video and audio editors are going to want 32 and 64 gigs in I the next think, couple of years and i think apple is kind of crazy to limit that. well hold on because i mean we've had a whole this whole century of television and media have been produced on computers with less than 64 gigabytes of ram typically it's still a consumer product i mean i'm sorry it's not a, it's a pro, it's a professional product but it's still a um 
But resolution's it's meant for really people. It's not a server. It's not a video server. It's not a rendering farm. It's just a laptop that you use. And I mean, I, I've made you know, I'm not I'm not a film producer, but I I've made Final Cut videos on a computer with 128 megs of RAM. You know, and it was really painful, but it's possible. But so if 16... you were in front of the line, you'd be doing 4K video, well, oh, yeah, super high quality, video, and yeah. then trying to edit that with a with 16 gigs of RAM max, it sounds like no way I could buy a Windows that's computer true. for half the money with twice the RAM, four times the RAM. That's true. 4K, that's you, the very interesting point. And 8K is was... becoming a thing. Like, I've seen a 16K photo. It gets crazy. Wow. Yeah, no, it, it is. By the way, um, we only have a couple minutes left, so I'd like to plug the next show. That's coming in, which you can see that there, nobody's here yet. But they will be in the next couple of minutes. I love it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's Sasha's show called, I'm trying to think, it's called The Stroll Show. And I believe they talk about love. Um, oh, she said today she'll be doing something completely new, having her first date on the air. So this should be really interesting and maybe awkward. As she, as she walks in, I'm reading your thing, Sasha. Hi. Uh, no, no, no. So she'll be on in two and a half minutes. And, uh, and yeah, and as we're thumbing up each She's other. She's got my attention. I want to see the show. Exactly. Well, you can probably Witness stick around. first date? For on Is it a first date first or just date a date? On, it says, it says uh, having my first date. I think it's her first on-air date. Okay. Doesn't so I think what happened is you date. both swipe right, and then you're like, hey, I'm, I'm busy right now. I have a radio show to do. You want to just come and be my guest? Is that what happened? That is what, oh my God. I just pulled it out of my head. That's exactly what happened. Why, thank you. Thank you. So, she, so the time is, oh, you have wine glasses? Look at that. It's a real first It's a real, date. you have candles? You have candles, Sasha? Well, if the guy friends, maybe. Oh, okay. For those of you that can't see, if you can imagine the most Bushwick thing in your life, it would probably be this. I, I mean, I don't, think, I don't think we can get more Bushwick than where we are already. In a basement so radio nervous. show. It's all right. You want to you wanna say hi? No, I'm too nervous. <laughs> Ah, okay. Well, um... Can we keep the mic up? Your mic? Sure. Right. Yeah, okay, we're still... We, we'll, we've, we've got one minute left. You want to you wanna say anything, Tyler, for our last... Uh... Uh, it's been fun. Once again, I'm Tyler Dinner, great friend of Eric for the last few years. Oh, uh, yeah, we forgot to talk we about... We didn't get to that, but how, I started working with work Christian, together. and then Eric immediately after, and then later on we've, we've done projects with that. Yeah, the three of, yeah, the three of us went on a, did a project together. Um, and I, like I said, I'm a... A software engineer at Little Star, and that's there's no E in Little Star. L I T T L S C A R. If you have any kind of VR headset, um, Oculus Rift, Gear VR, uh, PlayStation VR, or just mobile uh, phone apps, just go check out our app, download it. We have great quality video and photo, uh, a lot of awesome, awesome content. Wonderful, Tyler. So I have to say, do you approve this pull request? I do. Well, then let's hit merge. And we'll see you all next week right here on Radio Free Book.